Well, let's turn in our Bibles. You know where we're going to start. We're in the Altered series, so we're going to, we're going to make a quick pass through Romans, Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, and then set up our next area that we're going to study. How many are learning something from the Altered series? And how, how many not only learning something, how many are encountering uh, the presence of God and looking at lifestyle, lifestyle, uh, altered. Uh, we, we intentionally spelled this word with an A instead of an E. Uh, we want to talk about what happens to us as we live an altered lifestyle right here in 2018. How many of you believe with me that we can serve God, love God, and bring Him with us everywhere we go, even in this culture that we're living in, to school, to work? in our families, in our home, an altered lifestyle. Not something just for a few people, not something that's unobtainable, but a lifestyle that begins to allow us to know and understand God, and His will, and His purpose. So let's look at this, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and of course we can say sisters, in view of God's mercy, we've talked about that, we look at this direction, uh, or this directive today, thinking about God's mercy in our life. How do we respond? We offer our bodies, ourselves, as living sacrifices. There's the phrase that, that's the altered lifestyle, a living sacrifice. A uh, person living as if they're at the altar. How do we carry the altar with us? Uh, you know, we, we've had, and I understand, and it's okay, we understand the front of a church or the, the a piece of furniture, and we've talked a lot about in church, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say, we've talked a lot about going to the altar, haven't we? Have you ever heard those serm, sermons and preach? Going to the altar, going to the altar. But what I'm really trying to say uh, is not only should we go to the altar, we need to take the altar with us. And I think that's where we've missed some things in the church. We think uh, about uh, our, our relationship with God, our worship, the altar. So the most important elements of our, of our relationship with Christ, we have pigeonholed it into a, a, a Sunday or a building. And so I'm, uh, we, we, we give people regularly, we will today, have an opportunity of coming to the altar. But what I think is so significant in what we're learning here is not just coming to an altar, but taking the altar with us. How many understand where I'm going with this? That's a living sacrifice, the altered lifestyle. She says, what, what happens when we do that? Let's look at this. this. This is holy, and it's pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. We're going to look at that word, please, and pleasing God. We'll see that again in a moment. It says, this is, my translation says, your spiritual act of worship. I love that. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here we read, this is your true and proper worship. An altered lifestyle. And then what results? Look at verse 2 with me. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Alright? But watch what happens. But as we live an altered lifestyle, something begins to take place in our life. And we are, I love this word, transformed. Transformed. By the renewing of your mind. I haven't shared this in this series. This word uh, transformed uh, in, in the Greek has the same root and basis as our English word uh, metamorphosis. Met the transformation. It's used uh, in, in science for the, the caterpillar that spins a cocoon and goes into that season as a caterpillar and comes out of that cocoon as a butterfly. Transformation. Now, you, you have to tell me that from, a, from a, a worm to a butterfly, that's some transformation. How many can say amen to that? And the Bible says that our relationship with Christ, living this altered lifestyle, so transforms us that 
it changes the way we think. It changes the way we think about ourselves. It changes the way we think about other people. It changes the way we look at life. Uh, we, we talked about this, uh, Mayor Bowling, Miss Edmonds, uh, as, as we spoke earlier. You know, there's some people who've given up on themselves. There's some people who've talked themselves out of trying, of believing they could get a bigger job, a better job, another opportunity in life. They've, life has talked them out of it. But I want you to know that when you begin to have an opportunity, a lifestyle as a committed believer, God will transform even the way you think about yourself. The way you think about other people. We're going to see that today in, in today's message. So we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So last week we looked at Aaron's response to a moment where he miserably failed. And, and I taught you uh, the, the challenge and to stay away from counterfeit altars. Today... I want you to look at Moses' response in that same moment, and I want to share with you a message entitled, Altered Influence. Altered Influence. Let's turn in our Bibles, and let's go to, uh, I'd like for us to turn to Exodus 20 and verse 18. Let's, let's turn. Exodus 20, 18. Let's illustrate uh, what we've been looking at and what we've been learning here. Exodus 20 and verse 18. Now, Moses, as he led Israel through the wilderness, had an altered lifestyle. It was an amazing lifestyle where he encountered God. Now, remember last week we studied just briefly these these, uh, counterfeit altars. Moses was on the mountain meeting with God. And the people became restless. And Aaron responded and allowed them to get out of order. And they they made an idol and began to worship the idol. And and what did those counterfeit altars cost them? Do you remember? Well, they, they began to misuse God's favor and provision in their life. They, they forgot about the goodness of God and what He had done. I find that people that aren't regularly encountering God begin to forget about how good God's been in their life. In fact, I've learned pastoring for 37 years that if people could forget their problems like they forget their blessings and remember their blessings like they remember their problems, life would be better. Do I need to say that again? How many have watched that? Uh, you know, we, we, we have an epidemic of spiritual Alzheimer's in the body of Christ today. We forget what God has done. It's as if we don't remember all the things God has done to bring us to a point. We face a challenge and it's like we, we, we forget how many challenges He's brought us through. Has God ever answered any prayers for anybody here today? Has God ever brought you through a situation you thought was going to be impossible? Let's remember that the next time we're faced with a challenge. So we saw Aaron miserably miss his moment. So let's unpack this narrative and look at the other side. And let's learn about altered influence. First, I want you to make sure you know Moses was having some altar encounters with God. Let's look at this. This is, this is amazing. Exodus 20 and verse number 18. Exodus 20, 18. Watch this. This, this was the moment where we find Moses when Aaron and Israel were, were building counterfeit altars. Look at this dynamic. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet, and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed a distance and said to Moses, look, look, Moses, speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us, or we'll die. So Moses was about to walk up into an encounter with God, thunder, lightning. The Bible says dark smoke rolling in the sky. Now, I've never had that happen in my prayer life. Have any of you had that happen yet? I've had some wonderful altar experiences, but not like that. 
So Moses is encountering God in this amazing moment. So powerful. The people said, look, we don't even let him talk to us. You, you go. Come back and tell us. So this, this is the altar. Back and forth, back and forth. We'll read in a moment that Moses had fashioned and made a smaller tent before the, the wilderness tabernacle was made where he would meet God on a regular basis. Moses was living an altered lifestyle. So what, what began to result as that? Let's go to Exodus 32. Turn there with me. Exodus 32. And, and we're going to catch a verse that uh, we saw last week. Exodus 32, verse 1. I want you to begin to see what this altered lifestyle produced in Moses. It created altered influence. Now, before I read this, let me make sure we understand. Everyone in this room has influence. Do you know that? I, I think it was Dwayne Swilly when he was here. Someone recently said that uh, th they tell us that in an average lifetime, we interact with 10,000 people. We have impact on 10,000 people in the average lifetime. I remember a few years ago, I, I think this guy's pretty interesting. I'll, I'll say that's a, it's a nice way to say that. He's an interesting character. Uh, one of our own native Alabamians, Mr. Charles Barkley. Could I say he's interesting? Is that fair enough for me to say? He's an interesting guy. I remember at one point somebody was chastising Mr. Barkley for some of his activities. Now, he's known to be rowdy at times. I'm trying to be very uh, 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 nice about how I say things. Uh, throw, threw someone through the front window of a, of a bar and things like that. You know, just things. So Charles is rowdy. And someone said, now, you know, you need to think about what you're doing. You're, uh, you're a role model for kids. And I remember he said, don't tell me I'm a role model. I'm not a role model for anybody. I, I, I don't accept that responsibility. Well, let me tell us something today. Whether we like it or not, whether we choose it or not, Everyone in this room and everyone on this planet is an influencer. There are going to be 10,000 people that interact with you during the course of your life. And the good news as a Christian, here's what I find, is that we have the privilege and opportunity of influencing a lot of people. We can be positive or negative. I want you to see what happened to Moses because of his altered influence. So, chapter 32, verse 1. Now, now Moses is on the mountain meeting with God in that dramatic encounter. And 32 verse 1 of Exodus says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Man, I mean, all that Moses did for them, and they've forgotten about him before 40 days are over. But what I want you to see is this. Moses is encountering God. He's being influenced. He's being altered. But let's drop down and look at verse 9 in chapter 32. I'm going to show you the first product of an altered influence. Exodus 32, 9. Now, this is, this is uh, God speaking to him. He says, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Watch this. Now, leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them. And that I may destroy them, then I will make you into a great nation. Are, you, you understand what we just read? God said, Moses, get out of my way. I'm going to kill all of them. Now, that's the George Sawyer translation. Get out of the way. I'm going to kill all these guys. And we'll just start over. Let's keep reading. He says, uh, and, and I'll build you into a great nation, Moses. Look at verse 11. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord as God. Oh, Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people? 
whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. What's the first product, the first true identity when there's altered influence going on in your life. Can I tell you what the first one is? When you have an altered level of influence in your life, you do not desire the death of the people who are aggravating you. Did you get that? You do not want them to die. Now, I know none of you have ever prayed a prayer like that. I know none of you have ever said, Lord, you know, I, I've been concerned. I've, I've, I've been at some football games with some of you. And I've seen you wrestle with at the Iron Bowl. God, I don't want you to kill the quarterback on the other team. Just let him be hurt for this game, and then we'll get back over there. Lord, I don't want you to kill my mother-in-law. Just let her move to Siberia. That's all I'm asking. Lord, I don't want my boss, you know, but could you just move? Or, 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 or on this side, notice where I'm sitting. And, uh, and, 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 you know, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with these employees. Maybe I'm just going to shut this plant down. And move it somewhere else. And then I'm free of all these guys. Or I know we've never... Well, I'm going to stop there. So, so, do you get this? God says, Moses, I'm so frustrated with these people. I'm going to annihilate them. And Moses said, oh God, please don't do that. Please don't destroy them. God, please look on them again. God, please have... And here's this man who, who had given his life, who risked his life, who went back to Egypt to be a deliverer and a rescuer, and they forget about him just like that. But even though they forget him and aggravate him and abuse him and don't respect him, he never stopped loving and serving these people. And what I see when there is altered influence in your life is you're not just doing what you do because you have to. You've come to understand, God put these people in my life, and I'm going to love them and I'm going to serve them and I'm going to do the best I can do. That is influence that has been altered by the presence of God. I was going to say it a moment ago. I might have to go ahead and say it again. Um, you know, I actually had a man say this to me one time early in ministry. It shocked me. And, and he said, Pastor, I don't want to be married to this woman anymore. I said, well, I'm, I, 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 you're talking to the wrong guy because I think you should be married to her. And he said, well, I'm going to pray that God will kill her because the Bible says we're till death do us part. And I'm ready to part, so I'm going to pray. I thought, my Lord, I didn't know Christians acted like that. i never seen my mom and dad pray for God to kill one of the other ones. I was shocked at that. But, you know, here's what we often do. Let me help you. Let's make it a little easier. We're, we're, we're usually not praying God kill somebody. But what we often are missing in a moment is, God, get this person out of my life. God, move them away. God, get them away. 
And many times you need to understand that what God has given us an opportunity to do and what altered influence realizes, God, this is my assignment. God, this is where you place me. It's not easy, but this is where you place me. These people are my responsibility. And Lord, I'm going to pray your blessing and your favor on them. I'm going to take the most of this moment. We must, when we have altered influence in our life, we stop fighting where we are and we start loving where we are and serving where we are. And God starts doing great things right where we are. It's a radical difference. A radical difference. When there is altered influence, we do not desire the elimination of uncomfortable people in our life. We pray that God helps us love them and serve them. How many are still with me right now in this thing? You know, there, there are three words. Let me give you this. We need to keep moving that, that I find uh, in people's life. Let me ask you, this, this is your little your, your, your barometer to, to see how things are going. Uh, the, the first word, uh, everybody has somebody in their life. If you were to give them one of the words, the word would be aggravate. You know, that person aggravates me. Uh, and, and sometimes we think we've had a real spiritual explosion when we've gotten ourselves to the place where we've moved from aggravate to tolerate. I'm going to tolerate that person. Huh? You know, we, we, do, uh, we do that church sometimes. You know, we don't we? You know, we do it with different things. Well, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm going to tolerate that person in my church. It, Oh, that's it, huh? Yeah, I'm going to tolerate. You know, I don't know why those teenagers do what they do. But I'm going to tolerate it. I, I I don't know why the older folks like the songs they like, but I'm going to tolerate it. I, I I mean, I don't understand why you won't go to a Bill Gaither reunion, but I'm going to tolerate it. And uh, you know, I don't know why those young people look the way they look, but I'm going to tolerate it. But then, that's really not the end goal. I believe God can move from aggravate. To tolerate, to celebrate. And we start celebrating and realize, man, look what we can do together. Look what God can do in our lives. Look, that, that's when we know God is working and our influence is being altered. How many are still with me right now? Okay, so let's go to verse 7 in chapter 33. So we see one of the, one of the proofs of altered influence is that we love those God's called us to serve. We're not praying for their elimination. We're not praying for, for them to go. We're, we're, we're saying, God, I want to see your will done here. I want your purposes to be done. You notice what he said, God, it's your name. It's your reputation. It's your kingdom. You know, if we can start loving some people that don't love us, we might just show this world who Jesus is. Anybody with me? We might just become a testimony for the kingdom of God. Now, chapter 33 uh, and verse 1, what, what I want you to see is this altered influence produced a growing relationship with Moses and God. Let's look at this. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. Why? Watch this. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Wow. Is that amazing? Watch this. It's even better. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. Look at this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face 
as a man speaks with his friend. Wow. Altered lifestyle. Okay? Then Moses would return to the camp. Look at this. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. See, let, let me say this, and, and, and I'm going to help you. Can, can I be real transparent about my personal struggle with words and verbiage that's used in church sometimes? Can I help you? Okay. You know, I hear people, and, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a George Sawyer issue. But I'm going to think I'm going to help the men in the room. All the men wave at me. All my brothers. Look at all these men in here. It's an amazing place. Okay, I want to help you. Maybe this will give you some help. So, you know, what happened? This altered lifestyle, I want you to see the, the heart of it, was the product, and usually we use this word, of an intimate relationship with Jesus. Mm, that's not my favorite word when I think about me and Jesus or me and God. And I had a wonderful father. And I was thinking recently about, uh, some of these words may help me better. Maybe they'll help you. Uh, I like these words. A, a personal relationship. A unique relationship. A, a, a privileged relationship. A strong relationship. A trusted relationship. I started to say an open relationship, but that word's been ruined. I read that if somebody had an open marriage, they could, you know, do whatever. That's not an open marriage. That's no marriage. So we got a contract. Well, you broke it. <laughs> We got a ring. Sell it. You don't need it. If you got an open marriage, you can do whatever you want. You don't have a marriage. Okay. So I can't use the word open. That's been ruined. So, so let me illustrate this. I have a good friend that pastors in Huntsville, Murray Wilton. Murray Wilton and I have done marketplace leadership lunch together, teaching business principles to businessmen and women for, for several years. And Murray's brother, Don, you probably saw if you watched the Billy Graham um, funeral proceedings, Don spoke at the graveside. Murray's brother, Don, is Billy Graham's pastor. And for several years, uh, Don would go every week and sit down with Billy Graham and just talk and share and pray. What a privilege. And Murray, just me, three, you know, removed, there's Don and there's Murray, then there's me. He shares with me some of the things that his brother Don has said about his relationship with Dr. Graham. So I think about that context. I'm talking about this. How did, how did Moses meet with God face to face? Like a friend, they talk. So the words I would use, and maybe this help you, uh, I think about Don Wilton and, and uh, Billy Graham. I think about me and my father. And, and kind of the relationship that I with my dad, we had, we talked face to face like friends. You understand? Does that help you, some of you men? I mean, sometimes we talk about what is an intimate relationship with, with a friend. Well, I think it was a strong relationship. With me? It was, an op- it was a courageous relationship. It was a trust relationship. And we could sit and talk about anything. We trusted each other. How many of you want to have that kind of relationship with God? Where you just know you're welcome. Where you don't have to go through all the formalities. Aren't you thankful that when you pray, you don't have to go through 38 things to get the attention of God? Aren't you thankful you don't have to pray like we try to pray at church? Aren't you glad? Can you imagine me going in to talk to my dad? Oh, thou most exalted Father. Holy is thy name. The Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, all the Boams. Oh, God, I just want you. Isn't it nice just to say, Father, I need to talk to you today. God, what do you want me to do? What's the plan for my family? How do I pray about this, God? Lord, I'm having a bad day. 
man, I, I want to pray what Moses didn't pray about somebody right now, God. You know what I just said? God, I'm wanting to pray you kill somebody today. You need to help me, God. Because I know that's not right, but I, 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 you know, really, God, at this particular moment, I would like to be doing a funeral for somebody I know right now, God. That's really what I'd like to be doing. And I know that's not right, God. You're going to have to help me. God, I'm struggling forgiving that person. Man, they're driving me batty. I forgive them, they turn around and do it again. I forgive them, they turn around and do it again. God, you've got to help me with this deal. Am I the only person that has to do those kind of things? And, and they talk face to face. And there was this relationship that began to grow. And, and, and altered influence is a product of being with God to, 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 in a relationship where there's communication. How many heard that word? There's communication. It's not an idol. There's communication. It works two ways. Now, let, let's look at this next thing. I want to go on because this is what happens. This altered influence, this relationship creates influence on someone else. Let me make a couple of statements I want you to see. Uh, let's, let's read verse, uh, this, this verse 11 again. I want you to get this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Listen to me. God's influence on you will create influence on someone else. God's influence on you will always create influence on someone else. Do you see that Joshua so watched, uh, respected, imitated, desired, was made hungry by Moses' face-to-face relationship with God that even when Moses would leave, Joshua would stay? Because, why? He wanted what Moses had with God. The influence of God on Moses' life created influence on Joshua's life. Guys, I want you to see, we have influence. And our greatest compliment, the Scripture says in one place that your children say, I want to serve the God of my Father. I want to know my Father's God. The influence of God on your life and my life is to create influence on the people around us, who we work with, where we go to school, who we worship with, our family, our home. God's influence on us should create a hunger in the lives of those around us to know our God greater than before. It's an influence. It's, it's, it's a powerful moment. See, Moses' relationship with God was creating a hunger inside of Joshua. It was creating that. Let, look, let's look at our lives. Do I have altered influence? Are the people around me hungry for God? Uh, it, does, does my life make anyone thirsty? Do, what does that mean? Do they say, who is your God? Why do you pray? Why do you have peace? Why is that joy in your life? How did you respond that way? Why didn't you react? What's going on in your life? What is it? See, the relationship with God is to create influence to the people around us. And, 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 and let me say this. You, people sometimes wonder, where does spiritual promotion come from? How did Joshua uh, become the one to follow Moses and lead them into the promised land? Well, as I'm reading here in Exodus 33, I'm reading he was the only guy who was staying in the tent when he didn't have to. He was the only one out of a nation of people who was saying, I want more of God in my life. I, I want to follow God. I want to be in that place. Can I tell you how, how God brings promotion in His kingdom? It's for people that are seeking Him first. People that are hungry for Him. People that aren't looking for position. People that are looking for the presence of God in their life. See, here's what I know. 
in my life, as I watch spiritual leadership transition to go, listen to this statement. I would never follow a leader who has never followed a leader. Did you hear what I just said? I would never follow a leader who has never followed a leader. That's the plan of God. How would a leader know how to treat and care and love those under their influence if they've never been under someone's influence? How would I know how to be kind? How would I know how to lead? How would I know what it's like? See, I've said the, the Bible operates off of authority and submission. It works off of godly leadership and you and I recognizing I'm following this person as I'm following God. Anybody with me on that? Here's what I've learned about submission. Submission is just a theory until the first time I disagree with a person in authority over me. Got quiet then, didn't I? I'm going I'm to try it on this side of the church. Submission is just a theory. It's just a philosophy until the first time I disagree with a person who has authority in my life. Then I find out, how does this really work? You got me? Okay, I can see that. So God's influence on our lives is to create influence on the people around us. Then let's go to this final thing I want you to see here. Let's drop down to verse number 12. Here's the point. Altered influence is a result of an ongoing relationship with God. It's not just a one-time encounter. Remember the word? It's a lifestyle. And I'm amazed at, at, at what happens. This spiritual hunger created in our life when we're encountering God. Th- these are, to me, some of the most incredible verses you can read in the Old Testament. Verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, look at this relationship, watch this. You have said, God, I know you by name. Wow. And you have found favor with me. He said, God, you've told me that. You know me by name. We communicate in the tent of meeting. And you've given me favor. Now, let's be honest. For the vast majority of all of us, I said us, me included, at some point in your life, that would be enough for us. Wouldn't it? That may be the sum total of our prayer. God, that you would talk to me. That you know who I am. That you've given me favor. We're good. But not Moses. Watch this. So watch what he says. If you are pleased with me. Remember that word pleased in Romans 12.1? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Okay. Watch. If you are pleased with me. Teach me your ways. He's still learning. You see that? So I may know you. So I may know you. He's talking to him like a friend. He's called by name. And he says, I want to know you more. I want to learn your ways. So that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. He says, I want to know you, God. Well, I know we're talking in the tent. And I know you call my name. And I know that I have favor. But God, I want to know some more about you. Here, let me, let me help us with something. Spiritual hunger and physical hunger operate directly opposite of one another. Now, some of you may be hungry right now. Don't think about it. You could have eaten breakfast. It's not my fault. Don't think about it right now, okay? But if you're hungry right now, all you can think about physically is, when is pastor going to get done and I can beat the Presbyterians to the buffet today? Come on, if you'll hurry up. Right? 
Physical hunger works like this. You can be really hungry, and when you eat, what happens to your physical hunger? It goes away. Right? So the more you eat physically, the less hungry you become. Watch this. Spiritually, it's 180 degrees opposite of that. The more you feed yourself spiritually, the greater your hunger grows in the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? Now, what the challenge is, is the less I feed myself spiritually, my hunger dissipates. So if I hunger, spiritual hunger is like a fire. How great can a fire grow? It's all dependent on the fuel you put on the fire. The more fuel you put on the fire, the greater the fire burns, the brighter, the warmer, the hotter. You got, you got that? You can feed it and feed it and feed it, and it goes greater and greater. There's no end. So spiritual hunger is opposite of physical hunger. The more you feed yourself, the more you go to the tent of meeting, the more you communicate with God, the more you get in His Word, the more you worship Him, the more you say yes, the more you serve and love, your spiritual hunger grows. The less I encounter God, the less I think I need Him. I just get busy with other things, and that place where God could be in my life gets filled up with busyness. Not bad things, just busyness in life. But Moses, God, I want to know you. Teach me your ways. Let's, I, I, I love this. This word, ways, listen to what it means. God, he said, this is what I want. He says, teach your way means a course for my life, my journey, conversation. Lord, my prayer is, let me walk my course. Let me walk my course with you. Let me take my journey with you. God, let's talk as we walk this journey out. Now, remember, what did he say? He said, oh, God, I want to know your ways. I've got to keep moving. Let me just give you the verse so you can read it later. I, I, it's amazing. God answered that prayer. Because Psalm 103.7 says, God showed Moses his ways. And the people of Israel, his deeds. What's the difference? I do not want to live my life sitting at a distance just watching what God does. I want to be with Him on the journey while He's doing it. Anybody with me on that thing? I don't want to be content to be a spiritual spectator. I don't want to have reality television in my spiritual journey. I don't want to sit down and not have my own life and just watch everybody else's life on television. Aren't most of them crazy? Have you ever understood that? The crazier you are, you can get a reality TV show. If you're dysfunctional, everybody likes to watch it. I don't know why. Does it make you feel better? Well, we're not that bad at this house, I guess. I mean, why is it? I have no idea. Every once in a while, you'll find a good one, and it's like, man, that's nice. These people are normal. And most of the time, they love Jesus. Fixer upper. Okay. So, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Spiritual hunger begat spiritual hunger. And Moses said, God, I want to know you. God answered his prayer. God showed Moses his ways. And the people of Israel, they just watched and saw his deeds. But then, come on, we're going to finish. Look at this with me. So, uh, verse 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. You know the reward of a seeker of God? I have to read this. This, this is the Hebrew definition of rest. Listen, it means to settle down. To be soothed, to be quieted, to be secure. Don't we need that? Where do we find that lifestyle? In the presence of God. He said, I'm going to give you my presence and you're going to find rest. Listen to this. To settle down. Have you, has anybody ever looked at you and said, simmer down now? Has I mean, have you ever needed to just hold it, stop, settle down? Settle down. 
I found in some of my worst moments, thought, just settle down for a minute. Part of my language, I'll talk about me. I can use this word. Sometimes I have to say, George Sawyer, shut up. Be quiet. Settle down. Okay? Be secure. Listen, it means to be still. It means to dwell peacefully. Listen, the first time this word was used in the Bible, it says, and the flood recited, and Noah's ark rested on the mountains of Ararat. You know what happens? When the storm's over and the flood goes down, you and I, all right, we're resting on the safe presence of God. Do you know another word is used in Isaiah, and it says, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on the Messiah, on Jesus. Rest. Do you know privilege you and I have? Do you know you can make a tent of meeting anywhere you are, any home, any place? doesn't cost you something, just time. And God, I want to know you more. So after all that, come on, let's, let's, let's look at this. So then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that, you, that you're pleased with me and that your people, unless you go with us, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Now, there is no one that you're going to talk to who appreciates, loves, and, and, and reveres and honors and constantly works on having correct doctrine and theology than your pastor. I am Bible trained. I am theologically trained. Every sermon I preach, I run it through filters of theological correctness. I respect doctrine. You understand. I preach this word. There's no more important issue for us. But the Bible says the distinguishing quality of God's people is not only correct doctrine, but His presence. His presence. His presence. His presence. So when I walk into a room, they can't read my mind and my doctrinal statement, but they should experience the presence of God in my life, in my relationships. When Phyllis and I are, are trying to get it together, she doesn't care at that moment. My degrees are my doctrine. She wants to encounter a husband who is kind and loving and gentle and faithful and trustworthy. The presence of God. The fruit of the Spirit. Is anybody with me in this thing? Our world is starving for the presence of God. We carry the presence. Verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and know you by name. We would have stopped there. Woo! Thank you, God. Not Moses. Then Moses said, okay, we got all that good. Now, show me your glory. This boy has an appetite. He found something in that tent in the presence of God that caused a hunger in his life that he would not be satisfied with the status quo. With just enough to get by. I promise I'm going to read one chapter of my Bible. And you know how we do that. Have you ever read, come on, have you ever done your Bible reading and at the end of it you don't have any idea what you just read? Because I was hurrying and had my mind on other things. I've read a chapter and gone, what in the world did I just read? I try to think. I want to quote a verse. I don't even know. I said, I'm sorry, God. I go back. Read it again. But what if you're supposed to read one chapter? And you say, you know, I checked off my reading for the day. 
But I'd just like to get some more right now. I, I, let's read another chapter. Oh, God. Anybody with me? Lord, you, you know, I, I did enough. Well, it's Sunday. I meant, my Lord, I got up and went to church. I don't need to pray before I go to bed tonight. I, I checked my card. I'm good. Let me, let me make sure. Let's see. If I were to die tonight, yeah, I got my membership card. Everything's all right. But what if we go past membership and want to go to relationship? God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. I want you to stand with me. Please don't leave. Just stand. I didn't say walk. I said stand. All right, just stand. Stand with me. Listen to this. Moses is asking for Listen closely. He was asking for something. Musicians, please come. God said, Moses, I cannot let you see everything I am. You would die in your flesh. So Moses, this guy, in the tent, face to face, communicating, favor, know you by name, presence goes with you. I want more. He said, Moses, you've asked me for something so big, I can't do it. But I'll do this. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to walk by in all my glory. And I'm going to put my hand over you because I want you to be alive on the other side of this. You're going to see a glimpse of the goodness of God. The word glory in Hebrew is interesting. Of all the things we might think, what's the glory of God? It literally means weightiness. Weightiness. I, I believe that's almost tangible. You understand? Now, we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith in the Word. And the Holy Spirit will never do anything that disagrees with the Word. You'll never have an experience that's legitimate that disagrees with the Word of God. But we should have some experiences that, that agree with the Word of God. All right? God, I want more of you than I've experienced in my life. I realized I'm an influencer. My children are following me. My grandchildren. My co-workers. My classmates. The guys I play golf with. The ladies I have brunch with. I'm an influencer. And I realized that as long as I have influence, as you're influencing me, I'm influencing them. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to try to do that. Your goal is not to do anything manipulative there. Your goal is just to so be in His presence that it naturally flows out of your life. Isn't that amazing? We make this thing a lot harder than it is. The goal is more of the Lord and the influence naturally flows out of our lives. My prayer is that Calvary has influence. That we influence the cities we live in places we go to work, the schools that we attend, influence, the neighborhoods we live in. What kind of influence, Pastor? Not the kind that we typically think, the influence that is the result of being in the presence of God, being in the presence of God. It's a lifestyle. Some days you don't feel particularly spiritual. We've all had those days, haven't we? But the good news is, is that the altar to encounter God doesn't remain in this church goes wherever you say, I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you. We're so full, I don't think I can 
get us all up here, but I want us to have an altar moment right now. I want to challenge you right where you are. And listen, I don't care what anybody else does. You shouldn't care what anybody else does. But where we are, let's build an altar. Would you say wherever you are in your journey, Lord, I want more of you. God, show me more than I've ever known. God, thank you for what you've done. Be grateful. Thank you that you call me by name. And, and, and you know the numbers of hair on my head. And, 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 and you know all about me and your grace. God, I want your presence. Give me a new hunger. Wherever you are in this message. Now, some of you, what a, to build an altar, it's your heart with God right where you stand. You know, you may, you may be this kind of hand raiser. Or you may be this one. I don't care. Build just something. Build something. You understand? Do some altar here. You know, this or this or this or this. Build some altar where you are, okay? Right where you stand. Let's pray together. Let's build altars in this room. Father, right now, we come to you and say to you, we're so thankful, so grateful for your grace and your mercy that you have never given up on us. Lord, last week we were some of those people that built those counterfeit altars, but you brought us back. And today, we want to be people of your presence, hungry for you, a growing relationship, a transformation that begins to influence those around us. God, our goal and our pursuit is you, more of you. Lord, if we don't have a face-to-face, then begin to create those communication, that, that nearness, that, 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 that trusting, open, strong encounter with you that father to son, that pastor to friend, that, 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 that encounter to know you're for us and not against us. You desire it more than we can imagine. You welcome us. Lord, influence us so we are positively influencing the things around us, the people around us. Lord, give us a hunger that says, Lord, you've been good and I thank you, but, but, but God, I want your presence. Show me your glory. Take me to a place in my journey where I've never been. Lord, let me be the one seeking you. God, let your influence radiate through our lives. Let the impact of our relationship influence everything we do. Lord, we love you. We're not talking about a lifestyle for a few people with reverend or doctor or apostle or prophet or evangelist, but for the family of God. Every one of us walking before you, Lord. Let the aroma of your presence go with us. Lord, uh, we read later that Moses so encountered you on his next trip up that his face was glowing when he came down. They had to put a veil over his face. Lord, it, it, it may not be like that. Maybe it's like the priest who would be ministering in the holy place and the, when he would leave, the aroma of the incense would be recognized everywhere he would go. Lord, we don't have to prove we're spiritual or demand an audience, but we live for the audience of one for you. And out of that, there will be an aroma of fragrance that influences those around us. We love you, Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to continue to help us walk an altered lifestyle. We give you thanks. We give you praise. I want to pray one prayer with everyone before we go. You may be here today and say, Pastor Sawyer, I heard this message and I realized that I need to begin my relationship with the Lord. 
I need to start right where I am. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to pray this prayer out loud after me. I want our elders to come while I pray this prayer. Would you pray this prayer out loud after me? Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I recognize I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come live in my heart and change me from the inside out. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died on the cross in my place so I could have this moment. I not only give you today, I give you the rest of my life. Today I confess you're my Savior and you're my Lord. I come home today. I give my life to you today. I'm ready to live with you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray.